You are listening to Let's Be Honest with your host, Just Jonda. To let's be honest. I'm your host, Just Jonda, and I'm back here with episode 121, the January 6th hearings, White House veneer of stability. Now, this is part one of our multi-part series that's going to come in and out as the hearings occur on the January 6th congressional hearings. As we know from talking about it, not only on this show, but hell, you couldn't miss it all over the world. On January 6th, 2020, uh, as a consequence of the just, can we just call it what it is, craziness following uh, the election of our current president, uh, Joseph Biden, we had a full-scale attempted coup, insurrection, attempt to overthrow the government, just all-out bedlam in Washington, D.C., culminating in a siege of Capitol Hill. And let's be clear, these individuals got in, there was a loss of life, and as we have heard uh, testimony and seen um, and, and we've had an opportunity to see diagrams, they were within 40 feet of the actual vice president and mere seconds from actually getting into the House chamber, which shortly before the march up there uh, was filled with all of the representatives in Congress, or at least the ones who were present that day, which was most of them, as they did the final certification of the election that took place in November of 2019. So without going into all of that, because I don't think it's necessary, we have had more than our fill of that. Let's just jump ahead into where we are now. And where we are now is that in early June, uh, early to mid-June, we finally had the long-awaited congressional hearings uh, put on by the January 6th committee, which is a bipartisan committee that was commissioned to essentially investigate these issues along with the hundreds and hundreds, uh, hundreds of thousands, really, of hours of information and tapes and depositions and all of those things that go into a, a an investigation of this magnitude, which, by the way, is still ongoing. So I'm your girl, right? I've been watching it. I've been watching it since the first one. And I said, mm, Am I going to do a show after the first one? Nah, 
should I do one after the second one? So I kept debating because I'm collecting the information and I figured I wasn't going to regurgitate it to you. It would just be more interesting to kind of give you a summary of the first several hearings because they're about two hours each so that we can just focus on the bombshells if there were any. And, you know, there's been quite a bit of information. Then, as we got to the fourth one, I said, perfect, this is what we'll do. The fourth one last week, I said, this is what we'll do. We will have a conversation after the fourth one because it had already been announced that the hearings were going to be suspended until July because of all of this additional information that is allegedly coming forward. Now, I definitely have some uh, some theories about that, kind of fun ones, nothing nefarious uh, as to why this is happening, because, I mean, I think it's fairly obvious given what happened yesterday. So then suddenly we get an announcement, hey, stop the bus. There is at least one more hearing you're going to get before the end of June. And they even announced at the very beginning there was going to be at least two or three witnesses. But ultimately, the witness that everybody was waiting for and uh hell, it, no one else ended up being questioned once this witness got up there, was going to be the uh the the assistant um actually i think she's like the chief assistant to um mike meadows who was the white house chief of staff so right down the hall from president trump i mean when they showed the video and diagram i mean all of these people were practically in slapping distance of one another i mean so very close at that whole oval office corridor and so she was definitely in the mix of the halls of power. I mean, as much as anybody may try to downplay her proximity and position uh, because of her age and, oh, how would she have been in the mix or whatever? No, she was right there in the mix, not just because of her actual position, because she wasn't just um, sitting in the White House uh, administrative pool this is someone who was right there in the proverbial halls of power, even if she wasn't the actual position maker. People are walking by, hey, Rudy, as in Rudy Giuliani. Hey, Mark, as in Mark Meadows. I mean, God knows what she called the Trumpster. I, you know, there's many things we might want to call him. So I came, I was ready, right? Because I'm, I'm going to watch yesterday, as, as many of us did. And if you didn't, I'm sure you heard about it. I was ready to do a show that talked about all the stuff that we've learned, and I'm going to touch on it, all the stuff that we've learned, some of which we knew, others we may not have known. And even some of the things that we did know, we got a lot more color and context to the pieces. Um, very disturbing, quite frankly. And... So I thought, all right, we're going to be focusing a lot on on the first four hearings. And then, you know, we'll probably get some stuff out of the person who is uh, who worked for Mark Meadows. But ultimately, we want those text messages. Right. And we still do. There's still litigation going on about that. We'll touch base on that towards the end. Um, because ultimately I think we're going to get them, but there are far more, uh, 
um, there are far more people who are concerned about those text messages than just Mark Meadows himself and uh, former President Trump. We also have uh, Jenny Thomas, who is the wife of a current sitting member of Supreme Court. So a lot of folks uh, all up in bed together, uh, especially, you know, talk about um, lending credence to the old saying that politics makes strange bedfellows. I don't think that the fact that all of these people were wrapped up together is strange. I think individually they might be strange people, but, uh, you know, given their politics, we understand why they were all mixed up together. They were just stupid to do it the way they did. Well, all of that being said, after yesterday's testimony, I feel like I need to start yesterday and move backwards because ultimately all of it comes down to a level of rabid dog crazy that took hold of former President Trump and the individuals around him, or at least a, a certain contingent of the individuals around him, even those who are running for the hills now, even those like Betsy DeVos and others who subsequently resigned after January 6th, because let's be clear, no matter what they said about the fact that they believed um, Attorney General Barr about the fact that there was no evidence as it relates to the election being stolen, despite what they may say about things getting out of hand, they all sat side saddle when everything was going on. And I mean, side saddle as in the, the, in the little buggy of the, of the motorcycle that he was driving in, a, in an old timey movie. When all of the accusations were being, uh, were being tossed out there, false accusations were being tossed out there, allegations of thousands of ballots being stolen and things being put under a desk and shipped out of buildings and, you know, thousands of dead people voting in Pennsylvania. All of these people did not leave their posts. They did not stop accepting whether they were rich and didn't need them or not. They didn't stop accepting those checks that they were receiving for their positions. So you don't get any credit. And I don't care that the January 6th committee read uh, off their, um, or show, showed video or read off their subsequent resignations the next day. Yes, that adds a nice little bow to the gift of crazy of January 6th to say, oh, well, even the people who were with them knew, hey, that was one step too far. So it wasn't too far when they were deliberately putting people's names out there, when people are being doxxed, when individuals are getting death threats, individuals as high as the Secretary of State, and I'm talking about position, not that any one person is better than the other, but as highly positioned as the Secretary of State of Georgia or his wife and kids, right down to 
election workers like uh like Wandria Moss who doesn't even go into supermarkets who's afraid to give out her business cards who's afraid to leave her house individuals whose grandmothers are being threatened and I'm sorry Wandria Arshe Moss um just to say her name correctly so it wasn't a step too far then wasn't a step too far when the courts are being clogged up by over a hundred cases all of which were thrown out and the only ones that weren't i think there's like maybe two but the issues that um that those that were afoot in those cases weren't determinative of win or loss in any election when you have attorneys debasing themselves to the point where several of them uh have <clears throat> excuse me have or 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 are in the process of being disciplined by the bar none of that was too far before then okay and see this is why i'm talking about uh starting at yesterday's hearing and working our way backwards and I get it, quite frankly, because some of these people didn't start stepping up or were still in the process behind uh, closed doors negotiating uh, the terms of how they were going to step up and give testimony as recently as a week ago, probably mere days before they testified. And I suspect that that's going to be the case of individuals who are going to come up in the future, some of whom, like a Mark Meadows, who is just flat out refusing to honor the subpoena and, of course, fighting, uh, turning over um, his text messages. Some of them, it may just be a matter of just safety and what they know being incredibly dangerous. And um, I think that that is one of the things that stood out to many about what Cassidy Hutchison said yesterday and, and the things that she testified to yesterday, because unlike some of these other some of these other individuals whose, whose lives were put in danger because of um their mere proximity to the events such as um again in bringing her up wandria moss because she just happened to be um a georgia election department employee and so she just happened to be unfortunate you know i guess for one of a better way of putting it in the wrong place at the wrong time for the types of individuals that we ended up dealing with during the course of the election nothing terribly significant or or nothing terribly significant in terms of the difference between her doing her job in that election or any other election she had done except for the fact that it involved former president trump and then of course you had the georgia uh, secretary of state who was a member of his party who chose in that instance, because we know there's a lot of issues with Georgia, so we're not going to give them a whole lot of credit. 
but at least in that instance, uh, chose to look at what he was provided with in his own state and the um, investigation that was done on the state level and say, hey, you know, I feel, you know, we ran a clean election in terms of uh, in terms of the national election in December of, I'm, I'm sorry, in November of 2019. We are going to get into the questions about clean elections back in 2016. Different conversation. <laughs> okay. At any rate, um, or no, was that 2018? What was that? I don't know. It's still, this is 2022. So 2018. At any rate, not going to get into that. But in the case of the person who testified yesterday, not only is, was she in danger because of proximity, essentially because of what she knew, you know, you're in a place where things are being said and done, you see or hear them. And if they become problematic to folks who are more powerful than you are, then yes, it's mere proximity. But in her case, in her case, some of this stuff was conversations that were actually had with her, things that were relayed to her, um, which makes her not only a dangerous witness for them, but certainly not exactly the best position to be in for her. So now let's get into the piece that brings me to the title, White House Veneer of Stability. Speaking to a friend of mine, we were talking about uh, yesterday's testimony. And, and when I say yesterday, for those of you who may be listening to this, God knows when yesterday was June 28th, 2000, 2022. So today is June 29th. The thing that, uh, of course, everybody is still talking about from the June 28th testimony isn't just the fact that, because again, it was some good stuff before we get to the big one. It isn't just the fact that she just happened to be in the hallway when Rudy Giuliani, who she called Rudy, just casually walked by and mentioned that tomorrow, as in, you know, because this was January 5th, 2020, that it was going to be something else. And it wasn't just that she immediately followed up that conversation as I, I say, I would have done the same thing and went to her uh, in, uh, immediate superior, the person she worked with every day and said, um, should we be a little concerned about tomorrow? Is, are we, you know, basically asking him, like, give me a little, give me a little more <laughs> given what Rudy just said. And the fact that Mark Meadows confirmed that, yeah, it's going to be a doozy and it's, it's, uh, he's not expecting it to be pretty. It's not just the fact that she confirmed that calls were taken, something that uh, the committee knew, but again, want to have a witness to confirm that calls were taken and gone back and forth and conversations taking place about there being concerns for national security, 
and that the national security advisor even said, look, this is, this could be a problem. No, all now, all of those things taken together or apart, very concerning and, uh, and some great smoking guns, if you will, as it relates to, um, proving or at least attempting to prove that individuals in the White House and, you know, a few outside of the White House, up to and including the former president of the United States, conspired to have the events of January 6th take place and not just a rally, but up to and including marching on and taking Capitol Hill and potentially even encouraging the more crazy couraged of the bunch to possibly take out the vice president of the United States if they felt like he wasn't doing what they wanted him to do. Any one of those things would they go towards proving it? No, but it's certainly helpful. It is certainly taking us down the road to painting a real nice picture of recklessness, uh, the types of things that we deal with even on the state level, um, reckless indifference and those types of things. Um, when you know that something very serious is gonna happen and essentially you pour fuel on a fire that's burning or about to start. In fact, you're gonna toss a couple of sticks of dynamite in it. So we were all sitting there. I mean, there were several moments, you know, I'm, I've clutched the imaginary pearls, not that given what I do for a living, things really surprise me. But again, we're talking about stuff going on in, in the halls of power. But then Cassidy, drops a bomb that I'm sure some folks knew and never thought were going to get out. I mean, stories like this don't stay under wraps. That's why so many people are like, yeah, I believe it's true. Or yeah, I know it's true because they've either heard it or seen other uh, attempts at crazy that, um, or not even attempts at crazy, other showings of crazy that lead them to believe that this was just, you know, another day. Like, oh, uh, so-and-so ran down the hallway naked. Oh my God, I can't believe that girl's no big deal. It's just Thursday. So we know that for many, certainly those who were in the political know, some either very much involved in one form or another with the, uh, Trump White House, or even those who had informants, reporters, or whatever. This is nothing new to them. If not the story, just the level of, oh my God. But when this woman testified that when the president of the United States was being driven away from his rally, and it being clear that the march he encouraged towards the Capitol building was taking place and that he, you know, and, and folks were already a bit riled up in, in no small part due to him, that when 
the Secret Service agent was doing his job in driving, I think they called him Mogul, driving him away um, in his, you know, they call it a car, but let's call it what it is uh, in terms of the seriousness and, and the danger, for, not only for him, but that it could have caused the public at large. Um, an actual armored vehicle <laughs> that is just shaped like a car. Um, when they're trying to take him to safety or just take him somewhere like back to the White House where he can monitor the events, whatever, that he was so incensed about not being taken to uh, Capitol Hill that he attempted to wrestle the steering wheel from the individual driving the car and went so far as to attempt to choke the individual out. The person driving the car that he was in. And by the way, he was in the backseat. So, like I said, when a friend of mine and I were having a conversation about this, she made a statement. I said, you know what? Number one is something I would say, but number two, I said, this is going to be the title of my episode. When she said, no matter what is going on, that at the very least, the White House individuals in it, or the main person who we considered the occupant of it, has to at least maintain the veneer of stability. Even if you are a complete raving loon, nobody should know that. Nobody should ever see that. It should be, and I'm going to use the veneer in the sense that most people think about it nowadays because everybody's got the fancy new teeth. You at least want to cover up the crap. You want to make it look good. You want it to be like one of those bath fitters that people put in their bathrooms to cover up the fact that they are dirty, crappy people or they just have a place with a real crappy-ass bathroom and instead of somehow cleaning it up, they just put a covering over it. Okay, that's fine because when somebody goes into your bathroom, they see that veneer that doesn't make you look like someone who should be on an episode of Hoarders. The dirty bathroom type, not just the, you know, the crap stuff around. That, when you have, let me take back for a sec, because it still works me up to think about. When you have that level of unstable activity and actions and words from the very top, what the hell do you expect anybody who follows them, listens to them, or they put in place to do and act like? So, of course, this happened. But you know what makes it even more disturbing? And again, this goes back to all the folks 
who in their deposition, including uh, his daughter who said, yeah, I, I believed uh, Attorney General Barr when he said, yeah, I believed it. Yeah, I knew he was right. Or even the attorney who said, uh, although it was the, uh, the day after January 6th, I don't want to hear anything else from you or anything else coming from the White House except the words peaceful transition of power. All of these individuals who resigned on January 7th, the individuals who said they tricked us, the people who were out there raising money, those who helped with the constant phone calls and harassment, those who crafted the speeches, the strategy, all of those things, you are responsible too. You may not ever be charged, you may not ever testify, but you are responsible too. Ted Cruz, an individual whose wife was called ugly by this man publicly, but then you turned around and kissed his ass at every turn. A more dignified individual would have just said, you know what, I'd rather quit and the people of Texas are just on their freaking own if it comes down to me supporting this individual and maintaining your support versus just walking away and starting a whole new life. All of these individuals um, who, like a Lindsey Graham, who called and harassed people in their own uh, individuals in power in his own state to find votes. The people who still go to rallies and still would vote for him if he were to run again. Those who are continuing to raise money, those who are taking the money he raised. The woman who stood on stage last week after Roe v. Wade, which we'll do a separate um, show on. And I say after Roe v. Wade because, quite frankly, let's call it what it is. It was the Dobbs decision, but it's all about after Roe v. Wade, right? Because that's the race that conservatives and others have been in since the decision was made. It's been a race to overturn Roe v. Wade. So you can call it whatever you want. We can call it the Dobbs decision, but we know what it is. And like I said, we'll talk about that separately. A whole lot going on there. All of these individuals, because you don't get to and, and you know, I know I, I named a lot of people, and this is why because you don't get to the level that individuals were in the days leading up to January 6th the speeches, the frenzy, the text messages, and ultimately 
being willing to try to do something that the only thing I could think of was something out of an old time movie. I know it would be easy to say dumb and dumber. No, this was old time movie. This was Laurel and Hardy. This was Tim Conway and Harvey Corman apple dumpling gang type foolishness that came to mind. Thinking about this individual reaching over from the back seat, attempting to take steerage of a vehicle and then choke the person driving it. You don't reach that level of frenzy that we heard about with, uh, that we heard the recordings on uh, when he was essentially yelling and just completely kirking out on the people in Georgia telling them to find votes. You don't reach that overnight. That didn't happen on January 5th. It didn't happen on the 4th, the 3rd, the 1st. Hell, it didn't happen on December 14th. They talk about, yeah, he should have stopped on December 14th. It started long before that. By December 14th, you already had the individual who tried to choke somebody out on January 6th. And those who were all wrapped up in it, the people who read those tweets, the people who were on the Hill just spewing nonsense, they wanted to believe it. How did we get there? And I don't know what the coming back is for it. And this veneer of stability that we talk about, once something like that has been stripped, the emperor has no clothes. There's no, somebody has stood there on the side and pointed it out. You all allow people, the United States of America, you all allow individuals to be to have access to nuclear codes, to be able to talk to world leaders who may or may not be just as nutty, if not a little bit more than he is. And we know who they are because it's not just one. You allow an individual unfettered access to that. Now, did we know he was classless? Yeah, we didn't have to hear about Donald Trump saying something about grabbing somebody by the pussy to know that he was classless. Hell, I'm from Jersey. So I grew up watching New York and Philadelphia television, but more importantly, New York and Philadelphia radio and television. I have watched this man my pretty much my entire life, certainly all through middle school and teen years with everything from his hangouts on the Stern show to Morton Downey Jr. to the WWE and everything in between. Not to mention the, the big haired, big boobed wife face. All of that. Saw it. Nothing new. The 
alleged building up, but ultimately and most importantly, tearing down of places like Atlantic City. All of that. But yet folks are like, I didn't know. I can't believe I, he said that. 450 million dollars raised between election day in November and January 6. And an alleged defense fund or litigation fund for what? I know you didn't think it was to fight an election. Really? Because anybody with half a brain knew it was really to deal with the cases that are trying, that uh, New York is and others are attempting to wage against them, but particularly this, uh, the Attorney General of New York. That's what that money is for. And at this point, who knows, maybe to build a rocket ship to the moon so that he could escape. I mean, you know, at, at who knows? Maybe he's negotiating with uh, Bezos or um, what's the uh, Elon Musk for to ride in whichever one of them, because I'm sure he'd prefer to ride with the guy with the rocket ship that's shaped like a penis. That seems more his uh, more his stilo. And I know, and like I said, I'm sorry, I just hit my mic. I really did mean to come on here and talk about <laughs> all of these other things. I really did mean to come on here and talk about the horror of Officer Edwards' testimony on that first night of hearings and how she was knocked down and injured multiple times, starting out being one of only five officers at that first set of barricades, were, which were really bike racks at Capitol Hill and being overpowered multiple times and getting back up again and having to run back. Harrowing testimony and important because some people do need to just see it and not just hear about it. And the individual, uh, there was a documentarian, uh, I think his first, his last name is Quested, didn't get the first one, who was basically embedded with Joseph Briggs, um, the, the um, one of the Proud Boys um, or whatever group and, and talked about him being a part of that, all of those things them being thrown um, with some agent that did not appear in their expertise, because they would know, to be pepper spray, because given what they do for a living, and I'm talking about the officers, given what they do for a living, they do the difference. And individuals, not them, sadly, not the individuals who were there doing their best to serve and protect, and even attempting to protect the individuals who were attacking them, they didn't have gas masks, but others, but others were prepared with them. You had individual Mr. Pock from the Northern District of Georgia, or Mr. Pack, 
He was appointed by President Trump himself as the Attorney General of Northern uh, District of Georgia, who didn't end up keeping that job after he could not produce evidence that he was demanded to produce regarding boxes or suitcases full of ballots being carted to and from the arena, even after it was proven that they were official lockboxes. And then let's not even talk about Attorney, well, I guess we should talk about the fact that Attorney General Barr tried to stop this before it even got, uh, before the cart, you know, like they say, the, what is it, the cart, no, the horse left the gate. There you go. I was saying the cart put before the horse, but even before the horse left the gate. And, you know, I'm not going to give him too many credits. I mean, we've, there's some issues with, uh, Barr's got some issues, but ultimately when it came to this, did his job, he was right. He gave the right recommendation. And instead of following through, he suddenly doesn't have his job anymore. And by the way, a statement that is the exact opposite of what he said, in fact, the statement that he wouldn't give was then used. Uh, Philly, Philadelphia, close to home, close to my original home. No evidence of anything out of order in Philly, yet President Trump, and, and in fact, Philly, which we know, given the makeup of Philadelphia County, not only did he run, did President Trump Trump run weak there, he was expected to run weak there. It's Philadelphia, the city and the county. He ran weaker than even the Republicans from that state. Yet, his greased up, hair running just yet another person who ran around like a dog with rabies uh disgraced former mayor i mean the guy went from being america's mayor to this rudy giuliani rudy giuliani who is allegedly only 65 can i stop there what the hell i thought this man was as old as trump like dude doing all this running around in crazy town is not working out for you aging really badly please somebody correct me but everything i'm reading saying this dude's 65 i don't believe it anyway claimed that 8021 people um dead mail-in ballots in philly so all of that putting out tweets against people so then people go against them, all of that. And again, we also know some of these things may or may not have been explained to former President Trump, but the individuals around him knew. They know about the red mirage, and they also knew that the numbers would be even higher in the so-called red mirage due to COVID. And for those of you who don't 
know what that is because it's actually kind of cool. But basically, uh, long short, Republicans uh, win elections on election day. Democrats win uh, when all the mail-in ballots and absentee voting comes in. So that's why you often see red winning initially, and then want, as the counting continues other than the swings that you often see in urban areas or if they just happen to come across a county that is just always indelibly blue. But those issues notwithstanding, because that's also a norm, you also just see a big uptick because of the mail-in and absentee balloting. It's just one of those things. And then once you factor in covid absentee balloting on the whole was higher than usual, which also made the so-called red mirage even more pronounced because then Democrats who usually hammer at the um, mailing in and absentee ballots were able to do it a lot more and in places where it's not usually available unless a person has an excuse, so to speak not to mention all the places that had um, additional balloting open in advance. And of course, again, all of those things don't get counted until the election is actually happening. So you have all of those things going on. And so that's made for very interesting hearings, certainly very interesting television. I appreciate that you can literally watch it anywhere. Really cool when it was in prime time and very well produced with all the video taking advantage of the fact that given that we are in the digital age, if you want to capture people who are, I don't know, younger than 50, <laughs> Uh, you might want to, and I'm not saying 50 is old for personal reasons, because it's not, but you do, given the age that we are in, very effective use of, um, of, di of the digital medium in terms of the videos, in terms of showing the dep depositions as opposed to just reading them into the record, again, especially during the points, uh, during the times when they were in prime time. Now, if I were to be a bit critical, because you know I will be, I would say that some of the preamble speeches um, from the chair and a few other of the individuals that get recognized could certainly be a little shorter. And, and they've gotten a bit shorter as, as the hearings have gone on, but that first night, we really didn't get un get to the more demonstrative evidence that a prime time audience would need in order to keep them watching for two hours until about 45 minutes in. These are Congress people not television producers, so I get it. But if you're gonna go to prime time, it's because you wanted those eyes because you did prime time on every network, except for Fox who wouldn't do it. So you wanted the American people. So if you're going, to, if the goal is to get American people by putting it on television uh, in prime time, then you gotta produce it like a prime time TV show. And that second hour was great.
but uh, it took a little long getting there. And sometimes it happens. Uh, the last two hearings have been very good. I think the one that I struggled through the most, you know, since I'm getting to just the critique part, would definitely be uh, the hearing with Judge, oh gosh, no, it wasn't Judge David Carter. It was another one who is considered one of the most learned men in the world when it comes, or in the country, when it comes to these types of things. It, um, let's see, it wasn't just, no, it wasn't uh, Zoe Lofgren because they did the video presentation regarding the raising of, um, regarding the uh, the fundraising. But anyway, it was a former judge. It's going to come to me um, in a moment. But uh, he was great in terms of the information he gave. And I am now following him on Twitter. But whew, it was kind of painful. I, I want to say he was day three. And I, again, learned and also retired. And, you know, so that may have played into why it was a bit painful uh, sometimes waiting for him to uh, make his point, however good those points may have been. Uh, otherwise, uh, I would encourage everybody to stay tuned because I think that uh, the best is yet to come. Now, it's not going to get any better than the Laurel and Hardy Apple Dumpling Gang thing with the vehicle. I mean, if anything crazier than that happened and nobody ends up in jail or in one of those cute little jackets with zippers that I always talk about, then God help us all. Because again, you know, the emperor is already walking around naked and it doesn't matter that he's not in the White House anymore. The stink of having this level of foolishness going on, the stink of having an actual attempt at a coup, a well-financed and really a lot more organized than just the casual viewer would think looking at it. Um, the fact that this even took place is problematic the fact that someone in that condition was in leadership is problematic and the stink of it is already on us as a nation, no matter what happens next, so to speak. It's going to be there for a minute, especially given that this person is still free to walk around and give speeches and endorse candidates. Oh, I did touch on that earlier and didn't finish. The woman who, after the Roe decision, because I went down a road on Roe, I apologize for that. The woman who, after the Roe decision, said that it was a victory for white life. And no, you did not mean right to life because you would have said white to life. You said white life because you say it in your normal life. And then, you know, you just happen to get caught on television saying it. It's okay, girl. We already knew. 
You don't have to apologize. You don't have to make excuses. Just be you. And who you are is one of the 57%. We saw you before you even said white life. We knew who you were before you made, you had a little bit of verbal diarrhea. We already knew. It's okay, boo-boo. I don't know who you're apologizing to. Certainly hope it isn't me or anybody that looks like me. Because we ain't hanging with you. We know you. If we end up working with you, around you, uh, being supervised by you or supervising you, we will handle you accordingly as professionals. I wouldn't eat at every restaurant. I can't be held responsible for what other people do when they're bringing out your food. You might want to cook from home. Just a little friendly advice. I, I'm, I'm not a chef anywhere, so it's not me. And I'm not encouraging anybody to do things. Just the nature of people. Not everybody's like me. I'll be professional. I won't be your friend. I won't come to your house. You won't come to mine. And that's fine. Because guess what? Even before you and people like you and other members of 57% say things, have your little verbal gaffes, come to the school board meetings and cry about CRT that isn't even relevant in the school that your uh, fifth grader goes to. We already know who you are. So no apologies necessary, no excuses necessary. Go and enjoy your white life. You already were. And you were happy about your white life when the white dude standing behind you helped you all to achieve the result that you were hoping for. That's cool. We cool, girl. Nobody's bothering you. Now, as for the rest of these hearings, back to what I was saying, I think that part of, and this is where I'm going to get into my little theory that I said isn't going to be dark, just is what it is that part of what is going on now is a lot of scrambling and this isn't a new theory I'm, I'm i'm sure you've heard it everywhere by now not just from little old me and if i'm the only one you're listening to then i'm gonna give it to you individuals are scrambling they know that folks are going down and even if it is not are we gonna decide that he's laurel or hardy is he gonna be harvey or is he going to be Tim? Well, I guess given his shape, whichever one in these groups, I, I feel like I kind of like Lauren Harvey. And I definitely love um, uh, Harvey Corman and Tim Conway. Well, I did. I think one or both of them is dead. Um, I guess maybe I'll do the Three Stooges. He's definitely one of them. Uh, even if it's not the Stooge in Chief or the former Stooge in Chief, that ends up in jail or something there are going to be individuals that pay and what is going on now is that folks are scrambling not to be at the top of the chopping block when and if the contemplated indictments 
start to come down. When sedition charges are not just being levied and treason, potentially, are not just being levied at these no-name folks who will forget after these cases are over, zealots from the hills of wherever that came to D.C., possibly even got a free trip to D.C., and ended up with additional com uh, accommodations courtesy of the Federal Department of Corrections. So folks are scrambling because they don't want to go down. I'm not mad at it. If I were representing any number of these people, I would be earning a lot in my hourly rate right now because if I were representing any number of these people, they wouldn't even have to wait to be like, oh, is, is Just John in the office so that we can discuss my case? No, I'd be calling them if I knew that they were involved. Let me just be proactive in getting some, uh, in, in doing some hourly billing. Um, yeah, so-and-so, let me make some phone calls on your behalf so that we can see who we need to get in and sit down with at the Justice Department to negotiate who and what, who you're going to talk to, when you're going to talk to them and what you're going to say. Whether it's going to be in front of the congressional hearings or uh, some statements behind closed doors with the Department of Justice. And hopefully you've got something that we can use that makes somebody else look better than you. That's what's going on right about now. Some of the individuals whose names that Cassidy may not have said or may have said in her, in um, the conversations, obviously, because I mean, this her testimony wasn't new to the committee. It was just new to us. So in her conversations before, the perhaps some of those names, perhaps some of the names that will come up from her and any number of individuals who have been witnesses when Congress people have that 10 days to submit additional questions that you always hear the chair talk about at the end of the hearing. Names that are being whispered about those people, the people who made contact, the person who was really running the show, uh, who hired the marketing director who admitted there was no legal defense fund that was just saying something that they said to help get $450 million Dollars And let's be clear, you did not, they did not collect $450 million from the regular folks, the type of folks who would 
take off work, who would risk being filmed or people knowing their names, who would speak on camera, who would not show their, who would be maskless, not because of COVID, but hell, that would have been a good excuse to cover, just cover your damn face so that nobody who knew, who would know who you are, so that nobody would know that you were there in case something popped off. The type of people who are able to make donations of the nature required to collect $450 million in three months, give or take, a little less, those were not the people, by and large, who were out there on January 6th. People who were out there on January 6th the money that they would have theoretically donated to the Legal Defense Fund, those people needed that money in order to travel to DC on January 6th. Those were the folks who were out there. The people who had to share hotel rooms, the people who slept in their cars, or the people who drove in for the rally and no matter how late it was, drove home that night because they couldn't afford to stay in D.C. Those are the people who were in D.C. on January 6th. And those who were there the, the third or the fourth, it was because they were a part of a group that helped to put together the money to finance their trip to D.C. on January 6th. Because see, folks with something to lose who had expendable income coming out of, or discretionary funds, if you will, coming out of, and well, really kind of during, um, a, a questionable financial picture at the end of Trump's presidency. Those individuals who were in the midst of a pandemic, all of us were in the midst of a pandemic, but those individuals, those are the types of individuals who were laid off during the pandemic. Those weren't people who were able to just do their cushy jobs at home. The people who were out there on January 6th or by and large, the type uh, the, of the income level that the pandemic hurt the worst. That's what made them even more susceptible when the anger that uh, Trump had been building in them for four years bubbled over in him losing. Because even when things got worse for them during the pandemic, the blaming other folks thing that hatred build up, all of that stuff that had been spewing and festering and living in bellies until it exploded, it hit them first. And so they were ready to unleash that anger and unleash that hatred. All they needed was somebody to tell them when and where. Those aren't the people who were able to work, just stop working in the office, work from home, so they maybe had some extra money to donate. And even if some of those people donated 50 bucks, 
a hundred bucks. Do you know how long it takes to come up with $450 million if people are just donating 50 bucks, 25 bucks, 10 bucks, a hundred bucks? Yeah. So as with most things, follow the money because that's going to reveal a lot as well. Because we know that the um, stooge in chief didn't use his own money. We know that because we saw that some of that $450 million went towards his hotels. Not a whole lot, but some. I mean, a good amount. I mean, for those of us regular folks, it was a lot. But considering we're talking $450 million, didn't seem like a lot. So... 450 million, where'd it go? What did it finance? What was it gonna be used for? Well, we know Mark Meadows, it went some little, went to a charity of his or a foundation. So you have those questions that need to be answered. And you have people who are scurrying so you see what I'm getting to with all of this. Folks are scurrying. Somebody is going down. Somebody or somebody's, and I would put an S on that, are going to be facing indictments. So there are other somebodies on their behalf doing a hell of a lot of negotiating right now. And that means that these hearings end up getting put off to July because of this new evidence, which they said is a lot of it, which is going to make it a whole lot more interesting for us to watch. I'm just hoping that we don't get another striptease from the emperor in the meantime. So, I hope you enjoyed the show. I know we were a little all over, but so were the hearings. So I was, <laughs> I was in keeping with them. So we've got a lot of stuff coming up. Oh my goodness, this hearing caught me off guard. Uh, still got to talk about R. Kelly and uh, Ghislaine Maxwell, which I'm actually going to jump into recording right after this. Going to talk about what's next after Dobbs because you know that I like to also talk about solutions when we get into the political piece and where we go next, not just what happens. So we're going to have an interesting discussion about that, that unlike other people, won't just be a regurgitation of the decision. You can read the decision and understand that. If you just pull the first 12 pages, that gives you the summary. You pretty much don't have to read the rest. But not saying that's what I did, because it isn't. But that's what you can do, because who needs to read 216 pages of something telling them the same thing over and over? So I'm going to do a high-level summary of that. But most importantly, we're going to talk about what the Dobbs decision means in terms of just life as we know it, as it relates to um, the right to privacy and whether or not that even exists or will exist. Uh, talk about substantive due right, uh, substantive uh, due process rights, 
um, and just a lot more in terms of forward movement, because that's really where the discussion needs to go. Um, and of course, I have not forgotten about Andrew Gillum and his 21 indictments. I swear that dude is determined to have me constantly talk about him. And I don't even know him like that, but at the rate we're going, maybe I need to try and track him down to be on the show. I mean, at this point, his, his life couldn't get any worse. Well, maybe it could, but for his sake, I hope not. So I'm not even going to tell you what that's about. You can look it up. So what I tell you isn't going to be new. If not, stay tuned because you'll definitely have it by the end of the week. All of that being said, thank you for tuning in to Let's Be Honest with Just Jonda. Make sure that if you have iHeartRadio or um, iTunes that you go on there and you listen, you subscribe, and you give us five stars. We want to be just as out there as everybody else because if you listen to my show, you know I have a lot of good things to say that are probably even better than them. Plus, I give you the serious stuff and the fun. Hello, you get the Constitution on some episodes, then we might be talking about housewives and total trash on another. Either way, you love me, you love it. That's why you listen. Other than that, you can listen to me wherever you enjoy your podcast. If you want to support the show, we are thrilled to have it so that we can continue to do what we do. So you can find uh, the Cash App and the Venmo for this show in the, uh, in the comment section and well in the info section for the episode and for the show you can also be a part of the fun every day where we talk about lots of stuff not just what we do on the show i get into fashion and um lots of celebrity dish uh, as well as just the general crazy that we see out there every day on the fashion and drama diaries on facebook so come over and join us there join the fun it's daily i update it even if it's in the middle of the night you're going to get something new from me every day over there and um you can uh you can find the link also in the comment section other than that, as always, if you're thinking about it and want to talk about it, chances are I'm thinking about it and want to talk about it too. And in fact, if you DM me on uh, Twitter, Instagram, or send me an email, I might even talk about exactly what you want me to talk about. So let's be honest together. Thanks and good night.